mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. And today, we are heavy on my personal pop culture musings. So let's just get right into it. First off, I want to talk about two Netflix shows that I binged this past week, and that was Dating on the Spectrum and Indian Matchmaking. Now, both are fantastically bingeable, if I do say so. Dating on the Spectrum was the most heartwarming thing that I've watched in a long time. It follows various people on the autism spectrum in Australia going on dates. Now, I will warn you, parts of it are very cringe, but honestly, not really more than watching an awful bachelorette date. To me, that is the most cringe. A bachelor, a bachelorette date gone wrong. So it's not cringe because they're on the autism spectrum. And I am convinced that you will fall in love with Michael. He just knows how to treat a woman. I don't know where he learned it from. I wish he would have elaborated on that. But I think he could teach a lot of neurotypical men about how to treat a woman. I also really loved Chloe. She just seems like such a sweetheart. But honestly, it's hard not to love all of them. So if you haven't watched yet, check it out. Talk with me about your faves. You can always DM me at Bailey Evan on Instagram or at Kind of Cute Podcast. I would love to have a conversation with you guys about anything I talk about on here. And the next one was Indian matchmaking. So there were definitely some parts on this. that I was like, damn, I had no idea that's how that went down. But the general premise of this show is that this woman named Seema, everyone calls her Auntie Seema. She is a matchmaker. She matchmakes Indian couples to be married. So sort of like the idea of an arranged marriage, because some of them are just like kind of set up and then they get married. But most of them are looking to like date a person, fall in love and then have a love marriage as they refer to it. And she has these little sheets on each person and she has tons of eligible bachelors, bachelorettes, and it's called Biodata and it has all of their info on it, like whether or not they're vegetarian, their education, their height, their interests, you know, like a hinge profile on steroids. And it's fascinating because she will match people up who are far from each other. So there's people who are in NYC who date people in Chicago, Chicago and Austin. So these people are basically flying across the country for blind dates. And the other crazy part is that a lot of times their family members are actually present at the first date. I mean, I've told you guys before, I have so much anxiety about going on a date in general. The thought of my parents and siblings being there, like on the one hand, I'm like, okay, it takes a little pressure off of you because you don't really have to worry about an awkward silence. Like when you're with my family, you can't get a word in edgewise. So that wouldn't be a concern, but it would just be like, how do I have a romantic connection to someone when my brother's sitting right there. I just don't see that working out for me. And the other thing that I was so clueless about was that in the Indian culture, at least the Indian cultures that are portrayed in this show, they really take heed of astrology, which I just thought was so fascinating. And those were some of my favorite parts to watch, like when there's a face reader and there's someone reading their charts. And then there were some parts to me that seemed super problematic, um, like only wanting slim, trim, and educated as they were often referred to. And then there was an emphasis on fair skin, which must be tied up in the Indian caste system. Again, I'm so not knowledgeable about this and I, I don't really know what that stems from, but it was kind of shocking to hear people being like, I want someone 
like fair skinned Indian. And then it was also incredibly heteronormative, but I still found it 100% worth a watch. And I even found myself relating to Aparna, who I feel like a lot of people might find kind of off-putting, but she is also a lawyer and she is shocked when at one point she goes on a date with a lawyer. For one, she refuses to go on dates with a lawyer. So this was really her letting her guard down that she was agreeing to do this. And she says to him that she's been trying not to be a lawyer for 10 years. And she's so shocked when he loves it. And she also has Pomeranians. I have a palm. We're very different personality wise, but there was some parts like in some shit she said that really hit me. <laughs> And like just this whole struggle of not wanting to be a lawyer and truly being shocked when someone else likes the profession. And I mean, my like I love all you lawyers out there who are so into this job. 100% props to you. I always joke about telling people not to go to law school, but I do acknowledge that there's people it is very well suited for. So I think this show, though, is really going to give her a chance to maybe get out of her uh, the doldrums of law, as I always say, and really pop off as a social media influencer of course I asked her to come on kind of cute and as you guys are probably noticing the trend here I haven't gotten an answer yet that's okay we're not gonna give up maybe I'll ask again I'm learning that maybe sliding into people's dms is not the best maybe I should leave a comment on a picture if they have an email I would always go that route instead but sometimes I can't find contact information for them so I resort to a lowly instagram DM. Okay, now for something I watched this week and fucking hated. Now, I went into this with an incredibly bad attitude, but it was something I felt compelled to watch because I had watched the first movie and it was really one of the worst things I've ever seen. And that is Kissing Booth 2, the sequel to Kissing Booth 1. It is a Netflix original movie. It stars Joey King and Jacob Elordi. He is Nate on Euphoria. If you watch that show, you'll know Nate is a despicable character, and I don't think his character in this is that far off, and his name in Kissing Booth is Noah, and then Joey King plays a girl named Elle. Now, I had so many issues with Kissing Booth 1. The basic premise is that Elle is best friends with this boy, Lee, and Lee has this hot-ass older sibling named Noah that's Jacob Elordi's character. Now, Elle and Lee have been friends since childhood, but Elle has always had this secret crush on Noah. And lo and behold, she sets up a kissing boot for a charity event. She kisses Noah. They fall in love. They start dating. She hides it from Lee, which is fucked up. And he finds out and understandably feels incredibly betrayed betrayed and it's obvious that he has like a crush on Elle and the whole time you're like wow Elle and Lee would be really perfect for each other but instead she chooses Noah who has very obvious anger management issues like straight up like will beat people's ass up at the drop of a hat like flips out at Elle more times than I can count and just is really an unlikable character but he's hot so I guess that's all just excused somehow And Lee is just this like angel child who's also very cute. Um, So it just, it didn't make sense to me at all. And then there was this really weird sexualization of Elle, who at the time I think is like a sophomore in high school. She is like wearing a short skirt and people keep like slapping her ass. And then like there's all these weird up the camera shots of her skirt. And I don't know if it's just a pervy director or what, but it just, it ain't it sis. It wasn't cute. So frankly, I was shocked when I saw that there was a second one. I mean, not shocked because it did really well with the Gen Z crowd. 
no hate to Gen Z. I feel like they usually have immaculate taste. I don't really know where they went wrong with this one. And apparently a third one has already been taped. So now I want to rant about the second one real quick. And normally I would warn you guys about spoilers, but honestly, I just strongly recommend not watching these movies. So that's why I don't feel that bad about telling you all about it. So First of all, it's disturbing in how quickly it vacillates between the most corny thing you've ever watched, like the most corny shit on Disney. Like I'm not talking Lizzie McGuire that's like endearingly corny. It's more like even Stevens at its most uncomfortable. And then it twists to weirdly sexual. There's talk of naughty photos treating Noah's body like a jungle gym. And remember, these are high school students. And again, maybe that would, it's not so weird when you have it in a show like Euphoria where they're just kind of portrayed that way. But when you portray them as these like slapstick humor, like children, and then go to that, it's, it's very disconcerting. And again, this is no offense to Joy King. I think she's adorable, but her character in this is so mediocre. Her, her personality is that she likes playing that dance machine game at the arcade, like Dance Dance Revolution. And that she somehow gets the two absolute hottest guys in school to be in love with her. Because plot twist, a new boy comes who's also really great at Dance Dance Revolution. And he, his name is Marco. And he is like the hot, hot, hot Hispanic version of Noah. It honestly was kind of freaky to me how much they looked alike. But Marco's just Hispanic. And uh, he also, they dress him like a West Side Story extra which I don't understand. And then they have it that Noah goes to Harvard. So Noah is a freshman at Harvard. Elle is a junior or senior at uh, high school. I think she's a senior. I don't even know. And she's nervous because Noah is hanging out with this beautiful black girl named Chloe. I say that they're black and Hispanic because clearly this was Netflix's latch stitch effort to bring some diversity to this awful, awful movie. Um, Chloe is a very likable, cute character, but they try to make it seem like her and Noah are cheating together. And it's not that. Uh, Elle just thinks it's that, which I don't blame her because, oh, let's not forget, Noah is a horrible person and basically cheated on every single girlfriend he had before Elle, which is discussed in the first movie. So clearly Marco is the better choice here. He's dashing. He's literally maybe the most beautiful man I've ever seen. He doesn't have anger management problems. He likes playing her weird dance game and um, he's not at Harvard. Oh, but here's the twist. At the end, she gets into both the school that Lee is going to, Berkeley, and Harvard, even though she is the most mediocre character I've ever seen in a romantic comedy. So riddle me that one, guys. I don't get it. Moving on. In case you guys thought I had forgotten, I continue to text Noah Centineo on his community number to ask him his thoughts on that tweet we discussed a while back, and I will not give up. And speaking of DMing celebrities, I saw on TikTok, go figure, these girls sliding into Jake T. Austin's DMs and him answering them and FaceTiming them. And obviously, I wanted in on the action. And if you don't know, Jake T. Austin was on Wizards of Waverly Place. He played the little brother. And weirdly enough, he replied, Noah Centineo replaced Jake T. Austin's character on The Fosters because I think Jake had like some legal troubles that The Fosters didn't want to be associated with. I think he got a DUI, so he got kicked off the show. That could be completely wrong, but some strand of my memory is telling me that's right. 
And the real kicker here is that a fangirl, literally just a Jake T. Austin fangirl, obsessively DM'd him until they started chatting and they ended up dating for years. But apparently they just broke up and hence all of the recent DM sliding because people are like, hey, it worked before, it'll work now. So I decided to DM him and ask him how he feels about 31-year-olds. I didn't mean it even in a sexual way. Again, my end goal is always just to get content for this podcast. And I'm not thoughty enough to ever get a response. I'm not thoughty or hot enough to get a response back from people in DMs. Like, I wish I was. We've established this. It's basically a goal of mine. But, you know, I'm not going to give up hope. Maybe we'll try DMing him again. And another thing that TikTok inspired me to do was a past life regression. If you haven't heard about that before, it's this idea that we've lived past lives and through doing a past life regression, which is basically a form of hypnosis, you can relive those past lives, figure out what went on so you can better understand things that are happening to you today. So I YouTubed a past life regression by Brian Weiss and I did his whole 36 minute video. And guys, it just did not work for me. Like, when I got to the past, first you have to imagine a childhood memory. And it was really sad because like, I could not clearly remember a childhood memory. That's scary. Like it's scary to me how much of my life is just like a complete blur. I think the memory I chose was like the excitement I felt when I'd be driving to Disney World when I was a little kid because that was like Christmas morning excitement for me. And then you have to imagine that you're in utero. And that part was kind of fun because I just imagined like I was floating in a warm like red space and just like a little blob fetus. And that was fun. Like I liked that part of it. And then you start imagining your past life regression. And I did like imagine some rainbows and iridescent shit. And it was kind of like Greek gods. So I looked it up afterwards and Iris is the uh, god of rainbows. So maybe it had some connection to her. I should ask my sister about this because she's a classics major. Speaking of Kenzie, she's not here right now. And it's very weird not having my producer here to fill in my gaps and like give me little hints when I'm just like really getting off track. But I should have asked her about that because she knows everything about Greek and Roman gods. But I didn't. And I kind of think I just thought of it because I like rainbows. Like I don't <laughs> I don't think there was a lot of symbolism behind it. So if you've ever done a past life regression and it's worked for you, let me know because I'm a little bit skeptical. But I do feel like maybe I was Greek in a past life because I called my grandpa Papu and that's like the Greek word for grandfather. And I obviously didn't know that when I was like two years old. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's some legitimacy to it. And uh, I want to talk about Gigi Hadid and Kendall Jenner's home decor because they recently just showed theirs off. And Gigi's she just showed on her Instagram. Now, I feel like Gigi's probably in nesting mode right now because she's obviously pregnant. It's presumed to be with Zayn. So we all know it's going to be a little hot baby. Um, there's no other word to describe this decor other than chaotic. Now, it's been getting a lot of hate and people are just kind of like, ew, it's disgusting. There's a lot about it that's very what the fuck. I'm going to talk about the things I like first because I don't, I don't want to be so negative about it. I appreciate that. I think it has some Middle Eastern influence in it, and which comes from her dad's side. And Mohammed Hadid's house is very over the top and has a lot of Middle Eastern influence. So I think part of it, she was pulling from that, which I can kind of see in her living room decor, which has like a hamsa and it has these colorful pillows. Um, 
of all different patterns and it's very warm tones but then there's some stuff I just don't understand like there's old skis and then maybe a new pair of skis in a bucket that's right next to the television and then there's pool balls in her kitchen bowl like where you it would normally be a fruit bowl or like someone put flowers she has old pool balls other than that I actually think the kitchen's pretty gorgeous well other than that and she then has pasta dried pasta showing through the cabinets you really have to see this to believe it guys it's it's hard to explain because it's there's not a lot of touchstones I can compare it to I think what I I don't love about it, and this is such a personal thing, is some of the art she chose. Like, there's this big, giant, yellow Bic pin that's bigger than a door. I mean, I say Bic because that's what it looks like, but it looks like the kind of, like, pin that nice restaurants have. Um, And then she has New Yorker covers in her bathroom, which is, like, a nice nod, but, again, the colors are kind of chaotic. She has this runner and all of this art that's kind of kaleidoscopic blobs is the only way I can describe that and then her vanity room has this really old-fashioned almost Victorian style chair that to me doesn't really jive with a lot of the other decor and then the back of a Chevrolet truck I wish I was exaggerating guys like I'm literally explaining what is going on and then uh, her room looks like it could be in a rooms to go um The bathroom that's in the last slide I actually think is really gorgeous. I like the use of marble that has a ton of veining in it. I like that. No complaints about that. But again, it's worth worth looking at and sharing your thoughts. But it is in stark contrast to Kendall Jenner's home, which the Architectural Digest video article of was just released. She's on the cover. You guys know I love the Arc Digest uh, videos. We talked about J Balvin's a few weeks ago. First off, I have to commend Kendall for having Aesop soap in her bathrooms. Y'all know I'm a fan of that. It's been in the legit shit. The poo drops were in a recent legit shit. Aesop products just smell so fucking good. And I know it's ridiculous, but you know, if you want to feel like a celebrity, if you want to know for a fact you have one thing in common with Kendall, you can get yourself an Aesop soap and just like feel that little bit of luxury. You're worth it. I love that she had an art room because she admittedly like is very bad at painting but she uses it as her therapy and I just think it's so cute because it used to be a movie room and she converted it into this art room and the curtains are made out of canvas and she has a little art apron that has her name Kinney on it that her assistants gave her and then she describes her fitting room as her Hannah Montana room which I also thought was adorable and the whole house is just gorgeous like it's so warm and cozy and a lot of woods but then she brings in color through her art which I appreciate because I I love colorful art and then she has this stunning James Terrell piece that uh I die over that like I love James Terrell's work he does these cool like neon light plays again you have just it looks like um the Drake's what's that one song you know where he's dancing really weird and like colored boxes that's James Terrell's vibe um so I'm so jealous she has one of those and the part that really got me though is she has this Tracy Eamon neon song in her bedroom and apparently it's a handwritten note and it has measurements and then it says glad to hear you're a happy girl but the your is spelled in the incorrect 
grammatical way. It's Y-O-U-R when it should be Y-O-U-R apostrophe E. And I am not like a grammar stickler, but I think that would drive me a little nuts having to look at that all the time. And then apparently the measurements are the circumference of someone's penis, which like is kind of funny. And I don't even, I don't know, but I think Kendall comes across as very likable in the video and just someone you kind of like would want to hang out at her house with. I love her kitchen. She has like these teal cabinets. Oh my God. It's just literally gorgeous. She has these arches. And again, I have an arch in my house. So I was like, oh my God, I have Aesop soap and an arch. Like I'm, oh, I have something in common with Kendall. Uh, but it's just really gorgeous. I totally recommend watching it and I thought like I said that Jay Balvin was at the top of my most recent phase but I think she's replaced it my favorite cut writer Sanjita alerted me that Kevin Kwan the author of Crazy Rich Asians is coming out with a new book it's called Sex and Vanity oh I'm sorry it actually just came out like a month ago and as Sanjita explains everyone is still super rich many of them are still Asian and Kwan is still parodying them but this time he takes special aim at Americans wasps tech billionaires and New York socialites and I just put in my request to rent this from the library app, but there's already an 84-day hold, but I don't care. I'm so amped. The cut also alerted me that someone left a bunny on Kate Beckinsale's doorstep, to which she posted an Insta- uh, something on her Instagram that was along the lines of, um, please do not leave unsolicited pets on people's doorsteps. I have cats. I don't want a bunny. But she says, uh, Marvel, the bunny was safely rehomed. So that's just fucking bizarre. Like, who the hell left a bunny on Kate Beckinsale's doorstep and thought it was a good idea? And I lied. We aren't getting to the articles just yet because I felt like I had to give a little bit of a Taylor Swift rundown and discuss my favorite songs. I love the teenage three-way love story that is Cardigan, August, and Betty. This she refers to as the teenage love triangle. She doesn't explicitly say it's these three songs, but through the lyrics, it's pretty clear it is these three because they reference each other. So Cardigan is told from the perspective of Betty looking back on her high school years. August is told from the perspective of the other girl, which could be Inez. And then Betty is told from the perspective of James. Now, interestingly, James and Inez are the names of... Ryan and Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively's first two children. So there's been some hypothesizing that their third child must be named Elizabeth or Betty. Um, I just think those songs, like I love that the story they tell, I think it ties together really well. And August is my favorite song on the album. I just love it. I could listen to it over and over and over again. I do have to say though, um folklore as a whole is not really my ideal sound from Taylor I prefer when she goes full pop but I can't deny that it's beautifully written and the fact that she did this over quarantine I'm just shook like I felt like I had done a lot over quarantine until this came out and I was like oh wow I've done nothing um I love Mirrorball it has this really 90s feel to it I love My Tears Ricochet. Even though the lyrics are really sound, I love sad. I love the sound of it. The Last Great American Dynasty, I actually thought I would hate, but I think it has a boppy, fun vibe to it. My least favorites are probably Exile, which is the Boney Bear one, uh, Illicit Affairs, and Epiphany? 
And then peace and hoax, I haven't really got into. But those are my thoughts. I think the one might be about Calvin Harris since he never really got any great songs written about him. And it's kind of her hypothesizing, like, what if you were the one? What if we had ended up together? I wish I had more put together thoughts I actually did a YouTube video that'll probably be up next week where I baked a cake and talked about each track so if you want to hear more of my thoughts that were a little bit more thought out you can go watch that video next week but now let's get into our first article of the week the seeds are everywhere by Claire Lampin I just wanted to talk about this because I thought it was a really strange scam one I hadn't heard of before. So it says that packets of mysterious unasked for seeds are circulating within the postal system and they've now landed at doorsteps in all 50 states. Although government officials lack concrete leads to explain the sudden seed onslaught, they suspect a scam afoot, a scam that may involve some shadowy seed purveyor leaving hyper-enthusiastic reviews on eBay in your name. Cringe. So then the article goes on to say, as scams go, this one sounds relatively benign. It says CNN reports that third-party vendors can post product reviews for fulfilled orders. So the theory is that to manufacture the illusion of customer satisfaction, the sellers spam random people with goods that they didn't ask for, and then they put those people's names on the reviews so that they can write themselves good reviews. And it says when people get a package they didn't order, that's one of the first things that we suspect. So my question to you is, have you ever gotten something randomly in the mail? Please tell me. And apparently these are coming from China, but it adds in this whole other layer because people don't know what these seeds are. Even gardeners are like, I haven't seen these seeds before. And people are getting all different sorts of seeds. And obviously we have enough invasive species as it is, like we don't really need any more. So what if people actually start planting these seeds or some fall out and they accidentally get planted? Like, I don't know. We could have, we could have a little Audrey too on our hands. All right, next up. Why is everyone talking about demon sex all of a sudden? This is also by Claire Lampin. Okay, so (laughs) I wasn't even sure if I wanted to cover this, guys, but since we talked about witches last week, I was like, this feels right. So Dr. Stella Emanuel is, I don't want to call her a crackpot doctor, but that might be the best term because she's been the one who's been touting the drug hydrochloroquine as a cure for COVID, even though as far as I know, there is no scientific backing to support this. And the article writes that despite being a doctor, she has some pretty far-fetched theories about medicine and life. Emmanuel reportedly believes that the government is run by lizard people, that alien DNA is right this very minute being used for medicinal purposes in humans, that there's a vaccine in development to inoculate people against religion, and that gynecological issues such as cysts and endometriosis result from sex with witches and demons in dreams, or as she calls them, spirit husbands and spirit wives, whose evil deposits, evil deposits can render women infertile. Now, I had a doozy of a cyst last year. I thought I was going to die. It was some of the worst pain I've ever been in to the point where I went to the gyno, which is like my least favorite person to go to, and was like, I feel like I'm being stabbed and I can't function. I can't do any work. Advil doesn't make it feel any better. I was just using my little dog-shaped heating pad nonstop. The second it would get cold, I would just go heat it up again. And she was just like, eh, probably a cyst. And I was like, oh, we're just going to shrug and say probably a cyst. 
and I was like, I feel like I'm dying. And she's like, it'll go away. And she was right. It did go away. But to this day, I am like freaked out that one of those cysts or whatever it was is going to come back. And now I'm like, okay, (laughs) someone thinks that that was from demon sex. Imagine me telling me that to my guy now. So yeah, um, I think in my dreams last night, like me and Lucifer got it on. So maybe that's why I feel like shit today. I just, (laughs) oh no. And the fact that our own president is like retweeting things from this lady, it's just a little troublesome. And along those same lines, Madonna is spreading unhinged COVID conspiracy theories. Another article by Claire Lampin, which basically just points out that Madonna is also reposting things from this doctor. And if you had told me when I was 12 that we'd be living in a conspiracy theory ridden world, I would probably have been so amped. Like, I would have thought there'd be all this alien shit. It would be like, uh, I don't know, just nonstop UFO sightings if you told me that. But this I don't want. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want demon sex. Just please take it back. I don't need it. All right. Our legit shit for today This is a random one, guys, but last time we were at the grocery store, we picked up a case of Blue Moon Light Sky Citrus Wheat, which is basically their Michelob Ultra version, I guess, of a light beer. And it's really tasty for a light beer. I have to say, I think it's become my new favorite tasting light beer. So I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys because we played a game of Pong with it and it was super fun and I just recommend it. So thank you for listening all the way through. And if you haven't yet, I would love if you left me a written review on Apple Podcasts. I got one this week that said um, I have I'm an airhead with vocal fry. So if you like want to balance that out, I would really appreciate it. I mean, like I posted on my Instagram story and it's not wrong. Like I do. Well, I would say I have more up talk than vocal fry and I do have an annoying voice. Like I fully, fully agree. I do don't really agree with being an airhead, but I could totally see how my voice would maybe make you think that. So anyways, leave me a review, follow me on Instagram. I would love to chat and I will see you next week. Bye.